I hope you had a great Easter weekend. For me, I have to admit, it was a little bit weird. The strangest Easter ever. Welcome to part nine of Fearless, How to Live Fearlessly in the Age of Anxiety. Have you ever gone through one of those seasons where it just seems like your life is falling apart and you can't figure out why? A lot of times we find ourselves in some kind of trouble or facing some kind of challenge. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we look at what's going on, we're like, well, probably I made a couple of dumb decisions and I probably deserve what I'm going through here, if I'm honest with myself. But there are other times, like, like now, when bad things happen for no good reason. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had something happen that's bad for no good reason? I mean, you've been behaving yourself. You've been trying to do all the right things. You've been living your life the way the Lord wants you to live. You've been obeying the Word of God. You've been worshiping the Lord, reading your Bible. We're in one of those seasons of life now. One of those times when we're challenged by something. And you may even be afraid of what's going on. And you're saying, man, I need some hope. I believe this is going to be a message of hope for you this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at one main promise verse. It's a promise that God gave to someone that is filled with hope. So we're going to look at that promise verse, and then we're going to back up a little bit and kind of look at the story, look at the context in which this verse was given in Scripture. And then we're going to keep coming back to the promise verse. It's Isaiah 33, 6 on your outline. It says, the Lord will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. This verse was a promise that was given to a good man who was going through a bad time. The man's name was Hezekiah. He was the king of the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. He was a man who was doing all the right things in the right way before God. Yet he found himself under assault from an enemy who was way too powerful for him to handle on his own. So Hezekiah found himself facing a crisis, and not just a personal crisis of his own leadership. It was a national crisis. The fate of his people was in his hands. The weight of the world was sitting on his shoulders. And if he made one mistake, one misstep, one miscue, it's all over. We read about this man and we find out that he was one of the great kings of Israel. There weren't that many. The Bible tells us when we read in the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and we read all these names that we can't pronounce, we find one guy who is a good king, and the next guy was a bad king, and the next guy was a good king, and then here came a bad king. They just kind of went in cycles. But in this case, Hezekiah was one of the good guys. He became king when he was 25 years old. Can you imagine being 25 years old and you're king of a nation? In his very first year as king, he led the whole nation in a spiritual revival. They turned their hearts back to the Lord. They got rid of their idols. They got rid of false worship. And they turned their hearts to God. 
In fact, the Bible says that he led a Passover celebration unlike anything they had seen for 250 years. So Hezekiah was one of the good guys. I want to look at a passage that describes something about his life. It's 2 Corinthians 18, verses 5 through 7. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands of the Lord that he had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. We read that kind of life description, and we think, that sounds like a good life. That sounds like the kind of person I would want to be. Somebody who everything I took was successful because God was blessing me. That sounds like a model for Christian living. Sounds like the kind of life that should be free from any trouble. But Second Chronicles 32.1 says, After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out his work, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the forfeited, fortified towns, giving orders for his army to break through their walls. Remember, Hezekiah hadn't done anything wrong, so this was not God's punishment. But it couldn't have seemed like God's reward for doing the right thing either. So now we get to the question of how does this apply to our lives? Why am I giving you this history lesson? Why is this important in 2020? I've often said, when we come to the Bible, reading stories like this, we have to remind ourselves that the Bible does not just tell us what God did. It tells us how God does things. It doesn't just tell us things that happened. It tells us how things happened. It doesn't just tell us the things that God said. It tells us how God thinks. You see, the Bible is not a collection of historical facts. It's a collection of eternal truth. Would you write that down? So when we come to a historical passage like this, Second Kings about Hezekiah, we have to ask, what is the eternal truth? What is God trying to say? Why, out of all the things that have ever happened to that nation... Why did he want this story to be written down? Why did he want this promise from Isaiah to be written down? What is God trying to say to us? What is he trying to say to me? And when and how does this apply to my life? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.11 says, These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So we have to say, what's the example and what's the warning? Why did God want this written? What is he trying to say to us? How does this apply to you? What does your life look like in terms of of this kind of story? Does it ever seem like your actions... Like your motivation is being unfairly challenged by somebody or, or maybe you're under attack for doing the right thing or, 
you're under attack for refusing to do the wrong thing, or you feel like you're just about to be swept away by something, by forces, by people, by circumstances, that's just too much for you to withstand. And you just find you're overcome by overwhelming odds. Hmm. And you're going, God, I, I didn't, I don't get this. I've, I've been living right. So why is this happening to me? I've been doing all the things you want me to do. Why is this happening to me? Don't you care? I don't know how much longer I can hold on to this. I've been good. And you don't seem to be paying any attention, God. I've been living up to my end of the bargain. So God, why aren't you living up to your end of the bargain? Don't you owe me something for my good behavior? I think that last question is the question that a lot of us ask. God, I've been behaving myself. Don't you owe me something for this? Let me tell you something. God loves you. He is compassionate. He is faithful. He cares about your life more than you do. But God doesn't owe you anything. So why does he let these things happen? Sometimes he allows them to happen because, number one, he wants us to learn something about himself. Number two, sometimes he lets things happen like this because he wants us to learn something about ourselves. And three, sometimes he lets them happen because he wants to show the world something about who he is. And he's going to show the world through us, through our experience. So let's get back to Hezekiah. Let's see how he responded to this. Let's look at what he did. Second Kings 19, verse 15 and 19 says, And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Verse 19. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. What can we learn from what Hezekiah did? Here's the first thing we can learn. What do I do in a crisis? Well, before I plan, I need to pray. Will you fill that in? It's important to get the order right on that. Before he planned, he prayed. Our tendency is when we find some challenge or crisis is to start thinking, to start figuring out what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to outsmart whoever it is? And we come up with a scheme, some plan, and then, then we pray and say, Lord, will you please bless my plan? Because if you don't bless this plan, it's not going to work. But prayer is not about getting God to agree to our plan. Prayer is not about bringing God to his senses. Like, wake up, God. Prayer is about bringing me to God's senses. Prayer is not about me saying, Lord, here's my plan. I hope you bless it. Prayer is saying, Lord, what is the plan that you intend to bless? And I'll do that instead. That's how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. We begin, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be glorified is what you're saying. Then we say, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, having said that, then we say, here's what I need. I need my daily bread, provision. I need forgiveness. I need protection. You lay out your needs. But you start by saying, Lord, I want your name to be praised first. That's how Hezekiah prays. Let's look at his prayer again. Here's what, it, here's what he said. He begins with worship. O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of earth. So he starts with praise. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of earth. Here's why this is important. Because in those times when one nation defeated another nation, it wasn't just a physical army defeating another physical army. The people viewed that as one God defeating another God. And the Assyrians had said, no other gods have been able to withstand us. So Hezekiah prays and he says, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. So he begins with worship, declaring who God is. And then he says, now, O Lord, our God, he says, here's our need, rescue us. Why? He doesn't say, deliver us so that I can be the hero, the greatest king of all time. He doesn't say, deliver us so that our people can live in peace and we have a happy life. No, he says, deliver us so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. The ultimate goal of Hezekiah's prayer is that the name of the Lord be glorified. That needs to be the way we pray too. No matter what our need is, no matter how we bring our requests to God, that this is in the context of worship and we say, Lord, no matter what happens, I want your name to be glorified. Whatever it takes. Show me what your plan is, and I'll do what you want me to do. So that's how he teaches us to pray. And into this context of a national crisis, into this context of a time of fear and dread and despair, of overwhelming challenge that is too big for a man to handle, into that situation, God sends a man named Isaiah. Isaiah was the nation's prophet. God sent Isaiah, the nation's spiritual leader, to Hezekiah, the nation's political leader. And he sent him with a message for God's people. And the message actually encompasses several chapters of the book of Isaiah. When you read Isaiah, by the way, have I mentioned you should read, read, your, read your Bible. When you read Isaiah, and you're reading all of these promises and all of these prophecies, they take place in the context of this season of time when the Assyrians are coming against the people of Judah. And God sent several messages that you can read in Isaiah's book. But, but this one in particular, this one that we're looking at today, Isaiah 33, 6, this is the essence of what God says in all of this, that he's saying to Hezekiah and the people. He's saying basically... I know what you're going through, and I know how you feel, but you don't have to be afraid, because I have heard your prayer. 
I think that's what God is saying to us today as well. I know what you're going through. I know how you feel. But you don't have to be afraid because I have heard your prayers. And then God gives this magnificent promise of deliverance to the people. And it's in this context of a bad thing happening to a good man who is facing overwhelming odds. Into this context, God makes this promise. Isaiah 33, 6, our promise verse. Let me read it again. The Lord will be the sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. As you look at that verse, let's unpack it a little bit. What does he mean by the Lord will be the sure foundation for your times? What kind of times is he talking about here? He's not talking about the lifespan of Hezekiah. He's not talking about all that time. He's not talking about ages and eons of time. He's talking about specific moments in time, decisive moments in time. There are moments of decision that must be pressed through in order to accomplish a specific purpose. There are the kinds of times in our lives where someone might say, hey, how you doing? And we might say, well, I'm going through a tough or a rough time right now. Or I'm really having a hard season in my life. Or we look back and we say, wasn't that an amazing time in our life? And those kinds of times that he's talking about, those are the, those are the times that usually come to us unexpectedly. They come suddenly. Often, they come undeservedly. We've done nothing to deserve them. We've done nothing wrong. It just happened. In Hezekiah's case, this was a time of national crisis. The preservation of the nation was at stake. Not only that, but his own preservation is at stake. In our lives, as we face this kind of national crisis, where our very own preservation is at stake, we face catastrophic illness. Many are experiencing a deep loss, the loss of a loved one. seems like everything in life is just crashing in on us. Maybe in addition to that, you're also dealing with a bad doctor's report from your doctor. Maybe you got a phone call in the middle of the night that woke you up with news that you never wanted to hear. Maybe there's a relationship that's been meaningful to you. Suddenly it's kind of on rocky ground and you're going, why is this happening? I thought I was doing everything right. I don't understand why all of this is going wrong. How am I going to get through this? It's in times like these that we are tempted, just like the people of Israel were tempted, to kind of sell out and to kind of give in and give up. To compromise what we know is right and true. Because we just feel like, man, giving up would just be so much easier. If we just stop putting up a resistance and go with the flow, it'd be easier. But it's in those times when our faith and our character and our integrity are being put to the test. Hezekiah needed three things in a crisis. These are the same three things that we need. The first thing he needed was he needed knowledge. And so do I. He needed to know what was going on around him. What were the enemy's plans? What were they going to do next? The second thing he needed was wisdom, and so do I. 
What kind of decision am I supposed to make? What's the best thing for me and my family to do? How can we find our way through this crisis? I need some wisdom here. Because we've only got one shot at this. If we make a mistake, if we slip up, there may be consequences. So he needed knowledge, he needed wisdom, and he needed salvation. And so do I. He needed to be rescued. He needed to be delivered. The kind of deliverance that only God could provide. Does that sound like something we need? Don't we need wisdom or knowledge in the face of something that we're facing right in front of us right now? We all need to be rescued from what's happening in our life. Maybe that's why you tuned in today. This whole COVID-19 thing has come up and you're saying, you know, I, I need to know if God has anything to say to me. I need to see if he's got some promise or something that I can come away with. Something I can hold on to. Because there's nothing else I can hold on to right now, Jerry. A lot of times we go to the Bible that way. Many people only go to the Bible when they're in a crisis. So they end up opening the Bible and they kind of drop their finger on a page, hoping to get lucky. Find a sweet little verse that they can hold on to. That really has nothing to do with what you're going through. If you're looking for a promise from God, that's what this promise in Isaiah is. It applies to this kind of time that we're going through in our life. Because that's when God gave it to Hezekiah. Let me read it to you again. Look at these words. Third time. Isaiah 33, 6. The Lord will be the sure foundation for your times. Times like this. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Now when he says, I will be a rich store of salvation. What's he talking about there? It's important to understand the meaning of salvation in scripture. Salvation doesn't mean just to have our sins forgiven so that we can go to heaven when we die. Salvation has a broader a broader meaning in Scripture. Salvation means, number one, to relieve us from something that's constricting or confining us. Number two, it gives us room to breathe. Number two, salvation also means to turn scarcity into sufficiency. And then number three, salvation means, in Scripture, means to bring freedom from distress. So let me ask you, are you stressed out, anxious, feel like your back's against the wall, you can't catch your breath? God says, I will be a rich store of salvation. I'll make a wide space for you and give you room to breathe. I'll make a way where there is no way. Or are you coming up short in the face of this overwhelming challenge and You just don't have what it takes, the resources to get the job done. To find your way through this. You're facing a scarcity of resource. God says, I will be a rich store of salvation for you. I will be your sufficiency. I will provide for you. Or does it seem like you just can't catch a break? And everywhere you turn, it's one thing after another that's going wrong. And you're about to give up hope. 
God says, I will be a rich store of salvation. I'll bring freedom from your distress. I'll bring hope from your despair. I'll bring light into your darkness. I'll be a rich store of salvation. It'll be an overabundance, an outpouring of my power and grace in your life and in your situation. Are there any takers? Is there anybody who would say, hey, I need some of that right now in my life because there's stuff I'm facing right now. I don't know what to do. And you want to lay a hold of this promise from God because you need Him to be a rich store of salvation for you. If that's what you need today, the Bible tells us how to allow that to happen. He finishes this promise by saying the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So what is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean to be scared. It's not that kind of fear. God loves you. God is not going to hurt you. In fact, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And God loves you perfectly, so it's not that kind of fear. Let's look at a couple of other verses about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You need some wisdom? You start with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14.27 says, The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. So what's the fear of the Lord? Let me give you a definition for you to write down on your outline. The fear of the Lord means reverence, respect, and awe that leads to obedience. Fill in leads in obedience. Notice this isn't just about reverence, respect, and awe. There's a lot of people who say, oh yes, I respect God. Yes, I have reverence for God. I take off my hat when somebody prays. It's not that kind of reverence, respect, or awe. It's reverence, respect, and awe that leads to a change of life, that leads to obedience. Where we're not just saying, yeah, I worship God and with, with all the things I sing on Sunday morning. When I come to church, I sing along and I pray. But it's that we make a choice to worship God with all of our life. It's what we call life worship. It's worshiping God in spirit and in truth, not just religious activities or religious words. It's living according to God's word and his ways. It's making choices to live for his glory and for his to worship him with your life. That's what the fear of the Lord is. To worship him with all of our life. I want you to write this down. When I fear the Lord... I have nothing else to fear. When I fear the Lord, I have nothing else to fear. When you fear the Lord, you don't have anything else to fear. God said to Hezekiah, if you will fear the Lord, you'll not have to fear this king Sennacherib, or however you say his name. God says to you, if you fear the Lord, you don't have to be afraid of what you're facing, COVID-19. You don't have to be afraid of the outcome or the possibilities or the terror that's in front of you. Unemployment. If you fear the Lord, there's nothing else to fear. Because I will be your foundation. I will be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge for you. Does anybody need to be rescued from something? 
Does anybody need to have wisdom today or knowledge about something that's going on? Does anybody need a firm foundation to stand on? Because it just seems like you're running in quicksand. Does anybody watching just need Jesus? God says the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. In our times of distress, we are to worship Him. In our times of fear, we worship Him. In our times of doubt and confusion, we worship Him. That's when we worship God. We don't worship God when all of this trouble is over. The fear of the Lord is to worship Him in the middle of this trouble. Anybody can praise God when it's all wonderful and happy. But true worship is when we make the decision to live in fear of the Lord when everything around us is falling apart. Anybody can praise God when they've got a bunch of money in the, in the bank. But the fear of the Lord is to worship God when we don't have two nickels to rub together. Anybody can praise God when they've got perfect health. But the fear of the Lord is to choose to worship God when they get that phone call from the doctor and says, Hey, I've got some bad news. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And it's a decision that each of us has to make. And when we decide to live in the fear of the Lord, God doesn't just say, you'll get a foundation to stand on. He says, I will make myself your foundation. We don't just get salvation. We get him. We just don't get wisdom. We get him. We don't just get knowledge. We get Him. We don't just get a, a drop of water. We get the whole well. The fear of the Lord. Living your life as an act of worship before God. Living according to His Word and His ways. That's the key to that treasure. That's why worship is so important to our life. Especially when we're in one of these times, one of these seasons like this, that's when it's of utmost importance that you worship God. You worship Him in the decisions that we, we make. You can tell, by the way, what someone worships by the way they live their lives. If someone were to look at your life, especially in a crisis, would they be able to tell that you worship the Lord by the decisions that you're making, by the values and your judgments. We worship the Lord by our choices. We worship the Lord by our words. We worship the Lord, yes, with songs. We worship the Lord. But worship is what opens up the floodgates of God's provision. Worship places you in the river of God's grace. I want to give you the opportunity to talk to God about what's on your mind. Can we pray together? If you'll just bow your heads, close your eyes, and as we pray, just let my words be your words. Just say, Father, first, like Hezekiah, I want to begin my prayer with praise. So say this, say, you alone are God. 
You are the God over all the earth. You are the creator. You are my provider. You are my savior. You are my counselor. You are my friend. Can you pray that? I worship you today as my king and as my God. I worship you, Lord. But today, there are some things going on that I'm afraid of. There are some challenges that I'm facing that I don't know what to do about. This COVID thing is way too big for me. And I feel like I'm about to lose it. So, Lord, I'm bringing my requests just like Hezekiah did and just like Jesus modeled for us. Now, in your own silent prayer right there for a minute, just tell the Lord what's on your mind. I'm worried about this, Lord. We need that, Lord. I'm worried about my family, Lord. Just tell them what's on your mind. And then say, Lord, I know I can trust you with these things. So I release them to you. Maybe even just open your hands right now and say, I let them go. Just open up your hands. I give them to you. And I pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done, in my part of earth just like it is in heaven. This is now your problem, Lord, because I can't deal with this. And just let go. Open up your hands. Hold them open and let go. And don't take this problem back. Just let it go. Let go of your kids. Let go of your parents. Let go of your spouse. Let go of your job. Let go of your mortgage. Let go of that conflict you're facing. You've given it to God. So take your hands off of it and let it go. Now pray this. Say, Lord, I've given you what's on my heart. And I've asked for your will to be done. Now, Lord, by faith, I want to take hold of your promise. I want you to close your hands now. I want to take hold of your promise. And by faith today, I receive everything that your grace will afford me. I receive your peace. I receive your provision. I receive joy and direction. Lord, I receive forgiveness of my sins. And I receive grace to forgive those who have sinned against me. And Lord, I pray somehow your name will be glorified in my life today. Whatever happens, however you work out all these details, Lord, let your name be glorified in my life today. And I choose to live in the fear of the Lord as an act of worship. Help me to be obedient to your word. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, I want you to know I love you and I am praying for you. My hope is that this time of separation from everyone else will allow us to draw close to the Lord. I hope you have a great day.